because we believe the word endures forever and it's got something to say to us. Uh, you may not yet be a believer and on a, on a journey. You, you know, maybe, quote, sussing things out. That's okay. We trust that this morning God will speak to you. You may be young in the faith and there's lots of things that you're still trying to absorb. And that's great. And of course, you may be here for a thousandth time and steeped in the faith. And we're believing as well that God will speak this morning. That's, that's the genius of the word, that it can speak to all sorts of hearts and situations and contexts. And uh, this morning, we're just going to begin a a new series. I'll read uh, uh, Matthew 5, 14, just to lead us in. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, if you've got a Bible. Uh, If not, it's there on the screen. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. It's what we call one of the good news, the gospel books. And here, uh, Matthew is writing in what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus sits on a hillside and speaks out the principles of the kingdom, the rule of God in people's lives. And uh, uh, he spoke to uh, religious observers that had created lots and lots and lots and lots of rules. Uh, And Jesus spoke right into the heart of people's lives. You may remember a number of years ago now, we did a series called Raising the Bar. He took things to a whole new level. And here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, There's a little phrase that's hidden away that we're going to concentrate on over the next few weeks. Because you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. So our series title for today and going through July is City on a Hill. And I want to try and open that up this morning for us. And for us to get some understanding of what the Lord is talking to us about. Because this morning... It's really about the city core. At the beginning of the year, Christian uh, opened up a, a vision uh, for us during, during 2015. And in our staff meeting on Tuesday, Tracy Bailey re- reminded us that that was exactly the halfway point of the year. So we are now into the second part of the year. Isn't that amazing? Where's that gone? And of course, we want to continually home in on that directional vision. It was a call to see new people find Christ, both here in Ilkeston and at uh, Mansfield, and to go on a journey of not only making a decision, but also to be a disciple. And Nathan Butcher and the guys have done a great job in the first steps, teaching that they've been rolling out. And as you heard from Helen this morning, there's another opportunity to engage with that before what we would call uh, our main summertime period. We also talked about the growth of small groups. And there was a great weekly news that came out from Paul and Liz the week before last about the positive news regarding that and the growth. And we want to see more multi-lights all across the M1 corridor. But we're encouraged. And we thank God for Paul and Liz leading us in that direction and vision. And we talked about growing community impact both here and at Mansfield. We had a prophetic word into the church about three years ago from one of our friends and colleagues that encouraged us not to replicate in Mansfield what took place here, not to copycat it. We're not trying to. But we want to increasingly engage and reach out to love and serve community in both locations and beyond. That was the essence of the vision. And it sat under the title of Stand Out and Shine. The first part of Matthew 5.14 You are the light of the world. We sang it this morning. Shine your light forever and forever. And uh, that's the call uh, for us. And as we come to church on a Sunday, 
Maybe there are, there are things during the week that come to us that wash over us, as we've heard, as, as Julie and Andy have led us, that sometimes can dim the light. But the passion of church on Sunday is that it gets renewed, it gets rekindled, and we go out again to wherever God has placed us in the world of work, walk, the, the, the world of work, your call uh, to shine for him. Sometimes you don't need to say anything, you'll just shine and people will come and open the conversations up anyway. Because when you're light in dark, guess what? It's inevitable that you're going to shine. So a city on a hill sits alongside that. I was talking with Christian. I says, Christian, this little phrase just hides itself away in that verse. But I think it really will just add value to our visionary direction as we go into the second part of the year. About two years ago, we held out Central Area, Assemblies of God Area Conference in Coventry. And the keynote speaker almost made a passing reference to this particular phrase. And yet, as sometimes happens when you're listening to preaching and teaching, it went like an arrow to my heart. He talked about the city on a hill. And he's lived with me ever since. And he talked about the church replicating a pattern of what a city could really look like. And so to engage with people, to have influence. I think before I go any further, I want you to understand this morning that this is not a coded message that bemoans the fact that we don't naturally worship in a city. Ilkeston and Mansfield are proud, historic market towns with great tradition. And of course, there are many more dotted around the M1 corridor. And someone says once that if you don't love the place, you can't love the people. It's so true. You know, if there's a preacher getting up this morning telling the people how much he hates where he lives, it's unlikely that they're going to feel very loved. If you don't love the place, you don't love the people. You need to know that the leadership of this church love the place. And therefore, we love the people. I want you to just expand your understanding this morning and enlarge your heart to realize that when Jesus was speaking here, he wasn't just speaking about a geographical location. He was talking into a prophetic dynamic of the community of God's people. He was talking to city principles, whether it's a housing estate, a village, a town, or a city. When we rise to the call of the Lord, it works. And of course, by the very inference of Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, we realize that some of it is a personal application. We apply it to ourselves. But some of it has a wider application which we apply not only individually but together in a sense of expression to the Lord. So over the next few weeks as we rise to the core, we're going to look at city planning, city services, city authorities. You can see where we're going with this. And city inhabitants and believing that God will have something to say to us. I'm reminded that there are numerous references in the Bible to city. Let me mention six, and they all speak to us of something. In the Old Testament, there was Sodom that speaks of rebellion, and God judged it. And interestingly, it says that Moses, sorry, Abraham set his face towards Sodom, but we read in Genesis 19 that he found himself in the gateway. You know, if you go too close to the cliff, sometimes you topple over. Rebellion. And then there's Nineveh. Nineveh speaks of repentance. We've got this little book towards the end of the Old Testament called Jonah. And God says, go that way. He says, uh-uh, I'm going this way. 
And he decided that he'd do his thing rather than God's. And he ended up in the belly of a great fish. Where was I talking about Jonah recently? And I said, I'm never going to call it a whale anymore. Because I was, I was watching Lyrical once. And instead of talking about the, the belly of the whale, I talked about the belly of the bale. So we're never going there. <laughs> it's a great fish. <laughs> Repentance. A huge city of the day turned to the Lord. Interesting that the prophet was angry. We won't go there this morning. And then Jerusalem. Jerusalem speaks of reluctance. Even today, Jesus comes to Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I feel like a hen that wants to gather the chicks under the wings, but you were not willing. And even today, that great city finds it difficult and is reluctant to confess that Jesus is Messiah. And what about Antioch? Antioch, a releasing city. Where they were worshipping the Lord like we have this morning. And God broke in and says, release unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to do. And churches were planted and miracles took place. And the kingdom of God extended. Because this church didn't hang on. It released people. And what about Ephesus? Acts chapter 19, there was a revival in Ephesus. And it says there that people began to burn their, their magic Uh, arts and uh, there's a little footnote in the bible that says there were 50,000 days wages put on a bonfire that's what happens when revival comes 50,000 days wages and of course some people were really angry because they stopped making a profit on the back of that but an amazing move of God and what about Corinth the great city a great interconnecting trade center of the new testament Well, there we speak about renewal. It says in the first chapter that they came behind in no spiritual gift. Oh, these guys love to rock and roll in the presence of God. But sometimes it got out of kilter. And the reason that we've got 1 Corinthians particularly is because Paul was teaching them wisely how to conduct themselves, particularly in the worship of believers. And what about modern day cities? They've all got a little sort of resonance to them. Here's... Five that I've been to and what I'm going to. So London. Oh, we so love your tradition in London. I mean, that tower's been there longer than we've had a nation. You know. <laughs> tradition. New York. Not been there, but going. Yay. The city that never sleeps. Oh, I hope we get some sleep when we eventually go to Melbourne in Australia. It's got a little microclimate. So they use in their civic literature, it, this is the city where you see four seasons in one day. And ladies, they encourage you to always have a brolly in your back. And it's true. It can be glorious sunshine and then two hours later, the clouds come over and it rains. It's just incredible. Paris, the city of romance. Do You see all those love locks that had to be chopped off the bridges recently because they were becoming a hazard. And Mr. Health and Safety of the Paris City Council says, I'm going to spoil everybody's fun. <laughs> if you work in health and safety, please see Sharon afterwards, not me. <laughs> we really do love you. Kampala, the capital of Uganda, uh, where Justice and Anne and and uh, friends of our church are, are from originally. 
Two things about Kampala, incredible colour and utterly chaotic traffic. And somehow it keeps moving. But it, it is utter. And what about Prague, a city of culture and arts, apart from the one-man band, which I told you about before, but we're not going there. And then what about the word of God again? Genesis 11, people in their arrogance said, let us build a city to God. And they wanted to build a tower. They thought they could reach heaven. And then you read in Genesis 11 about God causing confusion through many languages. Psalm 46, 4 in the psalm that Andy quoted to us in the prayer time this morning. There is a city whose streams make glad the city of God. In Psalm 48, 1, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Psalm 132, 13, Lord, you have chosen Zion, the city for a habitation where you dwell. Boney M. fans, Psalm 137, 1, by the rivers of Babylon, when we sat down, we remembered Zion. That's where they got it from. I wonder if they paid copyright to the Bible. And so you said, who's Boney M? Yeah. Well, you're getting old like me, you know. Psalm 11, verse 10. Abraham left the Ur of the Chaldees. Why? Because God says, I'm going to show you something better. It's a step of faith. He was an aged man. He seemed ridiculous. He says, Lord, where are we going? God says, you just step out and I'll show you. That's faith. I mean, remember where you started your Christian faith. And you've gone like this. You've gone like this. You look back and think, where's God led me? And sometimes we think faith is living life without a gulp. Faith is living life with a gulp. In other words, we often, as you've heard Debbie this morning, don't feel sufficient for what God asks us to do. But he uses us anyway. What an amazing place that is to be. That's faith. And I live with a gulp most days. And you really have to believe that. So Abraham moves out. You can tell it's getting warm because there's two ankies in my pocket. If it's good enough for Bishop Jake's. Hebrews 11.10. Why did he set out? Because he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. And friends, I believe that prophetically it was more than just a literal city. It was the community of God's people down the ages. He saw something. He saw those inhabitants as numerous as the sand on the seashore and as the stars in the sky. He saw a city whose builder and maker was God. And whatever your prophetic interpretation of Revelation, Revelation 21 talks about a holy city. God's got a lot to say about cities. And I think that's why Jesus used this phrase deliberately. He was calling us to something that was beyond just the natural confines and boundaries of an earthly city to embrace the call to be those people in the 21st century through Arena Church that would be a city on a hill. I think one of the most literal, wonderful literal examples of all of this was that we had the joy three and a half years ago, Sharon and me, to uh, visit Israel. And uh, we, we had a, a day in the Dead Sea, which is actually below sea level. And then this little sort of 20-odd seater bus chugged up the hill, and he seemed to be going forever and ever and ever. 
And every time he tried to get into that top gear, he had to come back down. And then all of a sudden we went through this tunnel and there it was. The city on a hill, Jerusalem. And it really was a wow moment. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And I just got that picture of that's what God sees about his people. 54% of the world's population today, friends, lives in cities. A rise of over 20% in the last 50 years. Timothy Keller, that leads a church in New York, says there are 4 million people a month moving to cities. There's this great move that's taking place both naturally, but also for the church to see the opportunity to respond to what God is asking us to be in these days. So as I bring the message to its second half, just four brief thoughts about responding to the call to be a city on a hill. Number one, visibility. Because the verse tells us that the city cannot be hidden. It cannot be hidden. There are some contexts of the world, friends, where it is so dangerous to be a Christian that it is very difficult to be an open Christian. Interestingly, in those, those contexts where they describe themselves as secret believers, the church is not diminishing, it's growing. Isn't that incredible? But generally speaking, God has called us not to be secret, but to be open. I understand that we have to process that carefully. And in a complex world of work nowadays, we have to be wise in terms of living out our faith. But God has called us to be visible. He's not called the church to be a ghetto, to be a lost group, to be reclusive or retreating. He's called the church to bring in position and influence for the cause of the kingdom of God. The city on the hill that cannot be hit. You know, one of our colleagues said to us some time ago in Arena Church, probably four years ago now, he says, if Arena Church, this was in the context simply of Ilkeston at this time, if Arena Church wasn't in Ilkeston, would it be missed? I'm driving him home about three months ago. I says, Gary, you remember that question that you asked in Arena Church about four years ago? If Arena Church wasn't in Ilkeston, would we be missed? The answer is, we would. We say that with humility. We say it with no trace of arrogance, but if this church was removed today, there'd be literally dozens of people this week that would miss it. It's brilliant. Because I think increasingly we've rose to the challenge of visibility, of influence, of connection. You know, some churches' friends want a voice, but they never build relationships. And as someone said recently, if you're loud about everything, then people don't listen to you on anything. So if we're always processing, we're always shouting, we're always saying we're against, then don't be surprised that they never listen to us about anything. But when we understand there are things that we can influence and get involved in, sometimes messy with jagged lines, sometimes taking a risk, sometimes perhaps fearing that we may be compromised, And yet holding true to our values, God will help us to continually live with visibility. Not only here, but in Mansfield and beyond. Ephesians 3.10, Paul writes and says, His intent was now, through the church, the manifold, literally means the many varied colors of God's wisdom, should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms 
This according to his eternal purpose. I say it carefully, friends, but it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that Christian has had conversations with his civic leaders at times, and they've said, Christian, what do you think we should do? What do you think we should do? Because they recognize in him the many very colors of God's wisdom to help them wrestle with some of the great issues of society today, a city church. Not only visibility, but community. The early church was unmistakably not called to individuality, but to community. The word that we like is fellowship, it's koinonia. It means to have in common. And of course, community has often been contested for in the history of time, and often expressed in cities. Let me give you a few illustrations. Sometimes the contest has been over race. And so for many years in post-war South Africa, they lived under a, a regime of apartheid. It's an Afrikaans word which simply means a partners. I'm here because I'm white. You're there because you're black. That's how they lived in. And uh, it wasn't only there, of course. If anybody saw the Arthur Ashe documentary the other night, you'll know that in the southern states, he had to navigate all of those issues. He was banned from going to a tennis tournament at 12 years of age, even though he was the best player there, simply because of the colour of his skin. A partners. And that's never the heart of God. So Cape Town, South Africa would be a reflection of that. Of course, God moving in that nation, the release of Nelson Mandela rising to president, the Rainbow Nation, etc. Still issues, but certainly not that one at the heart of it. And then there's been at times, division over religion. <clears throat> the new principal of the Bible College, Pastor John Andrews, grew up just off the Shankill Road. Some of you have been to Belfast. And the wall of division that runs through that city between the Protestants and the Catholics, it caused a lack of community. But what about politics? In 1961, overnight... Berlin was split into East and West Berlin. And for many, many years, families were separated. And people tried sometimes to cross over and lost their life doing it. And what about wealth? Well, it's interesting that the richest and the poorest people of our nation live in our capital. So there are people with wealth that are absolutely mind-boggling. And two miles down the road, there are people in abject poverty. Divisions that come to community. And here's where the city on the hill arises. Because in our church, we've got people that own their own houses and people that don't. We've got people in professional jobs and we've got people in manual jobs. The doctor and the dustman can happily sit together and that's cool. We've got a multi-generational expression of people in the church. From little ones going out to kids' church to people around here at 70, 80, nearly 90 years of age that still love Jesus with a passion. And that's brilliant. It's community. I was watching that Met Police documentary a few days ago. I was staggered at the discord in community. It seems, you know, it all gets squeezed together. It seems everybody's shouting at each other, you know. And they say that the older you get, the younger the policeman become, you know. <laughs> you know. And these kids on the streets, young policemen in their early 20s, trying to grapple with community discord. And what picture do we paint as the church of Jesus Christ? Well, we paint a picture, friends, as the city of a hill 
of harmony in our diversity, of integration and not separation through the generations and the age groups and the backgrounds and the professions, and through respect and not rejection. Here's a quote from a book. Some of you have read it. It's by Bill Hybels. It's called Courageous Leadership. And he talks about being a late teens, early 20s kid in class. And the lecturer begins to go off track and says these words. There was once a community of believers that was so totally devoted to God that their life together was changed with the Spirit's power. In that band of Christ followers, believers loved each other with a radical kind of love. They took off their masks and shared their lives with one another. They laughed and cried and prayed and sang and served in authentic Christian fellowship. Those who had more freely shared with those that had less until socioeconomic barriers melted away. People related together in ways that bridged gender and racial chasms and celebrated cultural differences. Bible said, since that day I've been held hostage to the powerful picture of the Acts 2 dream painted in that college classroom. In the weeks and months after that first lecture, I was haunted by the questions. What if true community of God could be established in the 21st century? What if what happened in Jerusalem could happen in Chicago? Such a movement of God would transform this world and usher people into the next. And this morning, he leads a congregation of 25,000 people gathering in multi-services across Chicago land. I wonder, friends, if in quotes we could get haunted by the same dream of an incredible community of people that reach out in this day to bring us together as one. Visibility, community, thirdly, viability. The infrastructures of cities are complex. I'm making my third reference to TV today, and you think that's all I ever do. I very rarely watch it, but you saw that documentary on Rome the other week. Wow. Talk about being ahead of the time. The complexities under the city of Rome were incredible. They were, they were spheres in front of anybody else with their engineering insights and acumen. And there are two things that are vital to a city to make it work. Number one, water. Imagine the water supply being cut off in Derby tomorrow. That's it. You know. Well, by the way, there's no water at standpipes either. You're just going to have to, well, sort of, sort of manage we need water. When we lived in Oxford many years ago, pastor in the church, the city water supply was infected. And it meant that certain people, and particularly little ones, Alison was a little baby at the time, just about a year, 18 months old, suffered from a, a, a name that forever sticks in the memory. It was called Cryptosporidium. It was gory, let me tell you. We won't go into the details. Water. And water in the Bible speaks of the spirit, friends. And we want to say in Arena Church, as the city on a hill, that we want to forever say that we're utterly dependent upon the spirit. Every Sunday morning when it's my privilege to speak, I sit in my chair in my living room and say, God, you have got to help me this morning. I, I can't do this by intuition, by ingenuity, by simple. I've prepared my best, but you've got to do something this morning. And then what about food? Well, imagine all the shops in Ilkeston tomorrow saying, that's it, Stasis, we've shut down. Co-op, gone. Breadman, finished. No sweets, no milk, nothing. No food. 
There was a city in the Bible that experienced that. It's found in 2 Kings 7 and 8. It was the city of Samaria. And they were laid siege by the northern armies of Syria that said, we're going to surround these people. There's nothing going in and there's nothing going out. And the people cried out and said, what are we going to do? And the man of God, the prophet Elisha says, there's going to be an abundance of food tomorrow. And he was laughed out of court by one of the soldiers. He says, they're going to see it, but you're not. You can read the story. It's a brilliant story. Food. And the Bible talks about food being the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Why do we have speaking? Why do we have something from the Bible in church on a Sunday? Because we believe it's food. And every city needs water and food. There's lots of things that we think we need that we don't. But we need them. And every prophetic community of God's people needs the Spirit and the Word. The late David Watson, a great evangelical, Spirit-filled man, says these words. He says, if you're all Word and no Spirit, you dry up. If you're all Spirit and no Word, you blow up. But if you're Word and Spirit, you grow up. Isn't that fantastic? And that's what we want in Arena Church. We don't want people to dry up. We don't want folks to blow up. But we do want people to grow up. The balance of the city. And finally, friends, externality. Isaiah 54.3, you'll spread out to the right and the left. It's a prophetic word that resonates with Arena Church. Outward focus. One of the great passions of Christian, by the way, is in Hungary with Nathan and Josh. And they're ministering this morning. Then they're on the way back this afternoon. And a renewed connection with somebody in Hungary. And we know that they've been blessed. Spreading out to the right to the left. One of the great gifts of Christian is anytime he feels that we're tempted to go in and contain what we've got, he urges us to look out. To externalize the city. Sharon's got two brothers that have lived in Perth, Western Australia for over 40 years now. The most isolated capital city in the world, right there on Western Australia. Even some of the Australians don't think it exists, but it's there. You know, right there on the, some of you may have been, it's a beautiful city. Swan River sweeps in. About 1.1 million people, quite a small city. But lots of people went from this country, particularly in the 60s and early 70s. You could go for 10 pounds on the boat as long as you stayed two years. Most of them stayed, not all of them. And of course, it's three, four generations out there now from Sharon's brothers that are older than her. But the fascinating thing about Perth is it's spread. It's ex- so you've got Perth in the center. And then it snakes the Indian Ocean. It goes up and up. So here's the absolute truth. You can live 15, 20 miles north of Perth. Sort of like from here to Mansfield. So where do you live? Perth. No, you don't. Yeah, we do. They still identify with the city. Even though they've got to find that freeway, as they call it, out north every night from work or the, or the railway track that goes as straight as a die out. And not only has it now gone north, but they've built a railway track to go south. So Perth is long and narrow because everybody likes to look at the sea. So that's where they build the houses. And the reality is that 40k in, it's desert. So you're not going to build many houses anyway. But the externality of the city, it's spread. And it seems to me, friends, that's what God wants to do with the church. He wants it 
to spread. You can go from church this morning to bring spread to your office, to your classroom, to the broken people that come across your life this week, to your factory, to your day, and bring a spread. And people have some time with you and they walk away. You've never mentioned church, Christianity, or faith, but somehow they're impacted. They feel something. You've taken something to them, as Andy reminded this morning, that only comes from the presence of God. So there we go, Arena Church. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hid. Not hidden away, not irrelevant, not retreating. And the call over the next few weeks is that as Arena Church... In market towns, in the M1 corridor, we would truly understand the prophetic call to be that city on a hill. Amen. Let's pray.